You're listening to Conversation with the Experts, a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hello, my name is Claire. I'm a clinical nurse educator here at the Royal Children's Hospital. Today I'm joined by uh, Bianca Devson. Bianca is a clinical neonatal research nurse consultant at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, as well as working in the neonatal intensive care unit here at the Royal Children's Hospital. In 2018, Bianca completed a Master's of Advanced Nursing Practice, focusing on neonatal pain assessment, and she was also the 2020 recipient of the prestigious Dame Elizabeth Nursing Development Scholarship. Now, the Dame Elizabeth Nursing Development Scholarship is a $50,000 scholarship that's awarded to nurses only here at the Royal Children's Hospital so they can undertake a clinical project. So it's a really big project that Bianca undertook. And as you probably guessed, um, her project was looking at how we can improve neonatal pain management in the NICU. So this podcast is actually part one of a series of neonatal pain. So today we are going to be focusing on assessment of pain in the neonate. Thanks so much for joining us to share your expertise today, Bianca. Thanks, Claire. It's a pleasure to be here. Can I start by asking you to share with us a little bit about your work in the area of neonatal pain and how you became to be so interested in the topic? Sure. So I initially became interested in neonatal pain while working in the NICU, being a nurse at the bedside. And I saw through my clinical practice that there was a lot of room to improve how we were assessing and managing a baby's pain. And I'm the kind of person where I can't just watch something not working and complain about it, how it could be better. I'm the kind of person where I have to do something about it. I I need to do something to change it or improve it. It's just my personality. There was one time in particular that I can remember where a baby came back post-op and their pain wasn't managed as we had originally planned. And I was in a unique position. Um, I had the privilege of caring for this baby and their family During the pre-op phase, I took the baby down to theatre and collected them back from recovery post-op and cared for them in in the NICU post-op. I think I had four shifts in a row that I was working at that time. So I had a very unique role, I guess, in that pivotal part of that baby and family's NICU journey. Seeing that baby come back from theatre in in pain and not being adequately Um, or able to adequately manage that baby's pain post-op was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, Seeing the amount of distress the baby was in and the parents were in, and I found it really distressing myself. And I I felt very helpless in that situation as well. So I can only imagine how the parents were feeling. We did have a pain management plan in place pre-op for the baby's post-op period. Unfortunately, there were a myriad of reasons as to why that didn't go according to plan. And the whole situation was just really messy, to be honest. And I feel like being involved in that situation, that scenario was really the trigger for me to start doing something about it. And I was determined to improve practice around neonatal pain. And the first step to improving pain management was to look at pain assessment. All right. Thanks so much for sharing that story with us, Bianca. I think it can be really difficult in practice when we see things happening that aren't going as well as we might hope that they are and distressing to see patients and families in distress. But, you know, I think 
isn't it so important that we identify those things and then like you have, we can look at how we can improve practice, not just for that family, but, you know, families in the future. And it's important why we have these podcasts and we talk about things that we see in in clinical practice. And we're going to talk a little bit um, about some specific things people can actually do. But before we do that, um, I'm wondering if you can just talk to us a little bit about what's unique about neonatal pain and what the particular challenges are involved when we're trying to assess it. There's a few things that make neonatal pain quite unique. And actually, one of the first ones that I thought of was babies are are actually quite, they're a particularly vulnerable part of the pediatric population. I know there's a, a pediatric Pediatrics in general are vulnerable, but neonates in particular, I think sometimes people forget that they're individuals or, you know, when you go to do an assessment on a baby, you don't ask for permission necessarily. Um, And it's just remembering that the baby's an individual with a personality. And it was only 40 years ago that we were doing surgeries on babies with no pain relief. We were just muscle relaxing them and giving them some wafting oxygen. Tough to imagine, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We were doing PDA closures like that. And it's, so I think that's probably the first unique part about neonatal pain is that they're um, a very vulnerable population that require a lot of advocacy from um, staff and, and parents and families alike. Something else that's unique about neonatal pain is that if a baby is experiencing pain that is not treated or managed, then that can impact the baby's brain development, their neurodevelopment, and how they respond to pain and other stimuli in the future. So this is why neonatal pain management is so important. And again, like I said before, the first step to neonatal pain management is pain assessment. Another obvious challenge with neonatal pain is that babies cannot tell us what's wrong. They can't confirm it's pain. They can't tell us where it is, how severe it is, whereas you can ask an adult or an older child these things and get an answer, whereas babies can't score their pain for us um, from one to 10. And when a baby is in the NICU um, and they're crying, it could be a number of things. It could be pain or distress or hunger. Maybe they're crying because they want their nappy changed or they want to cuddle because they miss their mum or their parents. And it could be a combination of all of these things. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges as well with pain assessment, um, in particular for neonates, is trying to figure out what's wrong to be able to treat it accordingly. Because needing a nappy change is is treated very differently to being in pain <laughs> post-op. Um, absolutely. Like I said before, um, you know, and one of the big focus with these podcasts for us is actually letting the listeners out there um, into some of the into some strategies they can actually use in their own practice. Have you got some specific tools or strategies that um, you can share with us to support people out there with their assessment of neonatal pain? Yeah, so I think it's really important for wards, units or departments that care for neonates to be using a pain assessment tool that has been validated in neonates. So that's probably the most practical tip um, I've got. There are a number that are available. So for example, there's a neonatal facial coding system or the NPAS, which stands for Neonatal Pain Agitation and Station Scale. That one's been well validated in the literature. Or there's the PIP or PIPR, which stands for Premature Infant Pain Profile Revised. There's a revised version of that. And that's been well validated for preterm infants. Basically, there's approximately over 40 different neonatal pain 
scales noted in the literature. And unfortunately, there's no quote unquote gold standard or one that is better than the other to use. But I think it's really important to use a scale that has been researched and validated in the population of babies that you're caring for. Uh, So for example, at the RCH NICU, we only care for really complex medical surgical neonates and they can be preterm or term neonates that are day zero to six months old. Some may have had multiple surgeries. Others might be heavily sedated or even muscle relaxed, which adds then a different layer of complexity to to pain assessment. So we're not going to be using the NIPS pain scale, for example. So NIPS stands for neonatal infant pain score, and it looks at the neonate's facial expression, their cry, their breathing patterns, and their posture. And if we have a really complex baby that's ventilated, sedated, and muscle relaxed, then the majority of the parameters in that pain scale being behavioral are not going to be helpful um, in that baby in particular and the majority of babies that we care for in the ICU. So we use the MPAT, which stands for Modified Pain Assessment Tool, and it assesses 10 physiological and behavioral parameters of pain, which include sleep pattern, posture, heart rate, oxygen saturations, blood pressure, color, respirations, cry, expression, and the nurse's perception of pain. And we like or the combination of the physiological and behavioral parameters of pain is really useful on our unit for the population of babies that we care for um, because this tool has been validated in term and preterm babies that are surgical and non-surgical and up to six months old. So it really fits our population well. I know there's other NICUs around Australia that use the MPAT and there's one NICU in particular that they use the MPAT, but they also use the PIPAR for their preterm babies because they have a population of preterm medical babies with the surgical ones. So it's about really having a look at the babies that you care for, especially if you work on on the ward or in a maternity setting and, and picking a validated tool that's applicable to the babies that you're caring for. Yes, there's a lot to um, consider. And, you know, I think, like you said, it's important to understand what you're trying to achieve and what types of patients you're going to be looking after. And look, we'll probably have to get close to wrapping up soon. So I'm wondering if you'd like to take the opportunity, if you've got any last advice nuggets or top tips or anything else you'd like to share with our listeners um, before we finish up. Yeah. So something that I haven't mentioned in this episode today that's extremely important is to also ask the parents how they think their baby's doing and if they think that their baby's experiencing pain. So they know their baby the best, better than us as healthcare professionals, and they've spent the most time with their baby. So they usually know their baby's cues better than us as well. So the parent's judgment and the parent's perception of pain should not never be undervalued in, in this situation during pain assessment. And from my experience as well, it's been really important to to do your pain assessment and have a pain score for a baby, but then to put this pain score into context with what's happening for that baby at the bedside and to use this in conjunction with your own clinical judgment as well as the parent's perception of pain. For example, we might have a baby that has a moderate pain score, but 
they just had surgery yesterday and their parents also think that they're in pain. I'm not going to hesitate to give that baby pain relief. But another baby who has the same moderate pain score and is a non-surgical baby that has been nil by mouth for some gut issues or feed intolerance issues, then maybe that baby could be hungry or maybe their abdomen is tender and sore and it could be related to their medical condition or issue, the reason why they were nil by mouth in the first place. So after doing a physical assessment and examining their abdomen, could it be hunger and maybe trying some comfort measures, um, which we'll talk about more in the next episode, but maybe it is pain or I think it's important to be combining that pain score with your physical assessment and also the parent's perception of pain and just putting it into context a little bit. Um, so that's just an example of some contextual factors and clinical judgment making that could be used in conjunction with a pain score. Great. Thanks. Um, what I've really taken away from this chat is that we need to ensure that we're using a validated tool that's relevant to our patient population. I think that's something that our listeners could definitely go back to their work areas, have a look at what tools are available and just see if they're actually relevant and appropriate for what they're doing. Because, you know, the key starting point in all of this and pain management is accurate assessment of pain. But I think otherwise the big thing for me is that how important that role of caregivers or parents play in our pain assessment process. And it's one part of the whole process of pain assessment. We will be discussing pain management in the neonate in a future podcast. So if you want to hear a lot more about the sort of things you can actually do to address pain, please listen out for that. But thanks so much, Bianca, for joining. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me, Claire. And thanks everyone else for joining us. And we hope that you enjoyed listening as well. Thanks for listening to Conversation with the Experts, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast show, Teach, Think, Treat, where we discuss aspects related to teaching and learning in a busy clinical setting.